You can take your Bible and turn back over to Acts chapter 17. <clears throat> and uh, I've just, it's just been a great thing to be back in the house of God today to me. Uh, let's see if I can get this thing going. Y'all, y'all don't know it, but y'all be thankful for that thing. Uh, it is a blessing to be back here tonight. I'm glad that you're here, and I'm glad to be here. Uh, why don't we go to the Lord in prayer? <clears throat> Brother Bob Rivick, why don't you lead us, please? All right, we're in Acts chapter 17, and we've covered a lot of ground here. As I said last week, Acts, to me, Acts is one of the most powerful books in the New Testament. It opens the doors, opens the doors to church doctrine and teaching, and uh, we get there's just so much in example here in in uh, in these apostles as they go to work delivering the gospel. Paul is at Athens, the kind of the epicenter of worldly wisdom for the world, and he's landed right in the middle of and right in the heat of it all. They called him in verse 18 a, a babbler, and that word is a bird picking up seeds. And I, honestly, I kind of feel like that, that, that by the time we get through here, uh, I've picked up a seed here and a seed there and a seed there uh, down through here. Let's look at this. This morning, Paul began his message. The God I do know is the God you don't know. Let me tell you about him. And, uh, and one of the uh, commentators says it's a homiletic masterpiece. He started where they were. He didn't preach out John or somewhere, but he preached in here where we were. And... He uh, declared God, and as we're going to see, he demands a decision. The difference in teaching and preaching is demanding a decision. Teaching is accumulation of knowledge, but preaching demands that we do something with what we have heard and learned. And uh, thank God for the preaching. I'm, I'm saved from preaching. I'm, I'm called 
and in his service because of preaching. I, I thank the Lord for preaching and preachers. Uh, and, and so we started this morning. We talked about the greatness of God in creation, the goodness of God in his uh, provision and governing, uh, the determination ter of God. He's put us all in a human race. He's put us, I mean, there's not, there's not big ones and little ones. Everybody's accountable because they're, God put, them, put every one of us. No matter what nation, all of one blood and all dwell on the face of the earth. Nobody's bigger than anybody else. Nobody's more important. Every one of us have to come the same way. We have to hear the same message. We have to make the, the right decision with that message. And then uh, we, become, we equally become the children of God, uh, all by the determination of God. Uh, and the God of Revelation, he says in 28... We live and move and have our being uh, because he has revealed himself to us, uh, the God of repentance and uh, I believe that's where we stopped at, the God of repentance. I want to step to the next verse. And talk about the God of judgment. Paul says in verse 31, let me read these next four verses, four or five verses. He says, he says in, in 30, we ended with this verse this morning, the doctrine of repentance. At times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. 31. Because he has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. So there's the God of judgment, the God of assurance, and, and, he, and when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, the God of resurrection... Some mocked, others said, we'll hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from them, albeit certain men clave unto him and believed, among uh, which was Dionysus, 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 it, the Arupagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. There was the scorners, the skeptics and the seekers. Uh, some said one thing, some said another. We all go out of every message in some respect having made a decision what we'll do with the Word of God. And uh, so it, it behooves us to Understand that our decision is not in ourselves, but it's to the Lord. And 
And so I wanted to look at, first of all, I wanted to talk about this God of judgment. <clears throat> In my outline, I called him the God of affirmation. Uh, he, because he hath pointed a day when he will judge the world in righteousness. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> if you go to the courts in America, <coughs> there's some goofy judge up in the east somewhere last week or two weeks ago said that uh, in his ruling that it's unconstitutional to have public prayer in America. How stupid can you be? And uh, you'll all hear rulings the governor of one of the states has said that it behooves us to abort babies because God said, love your neighbor. Make sense out of that. You, there's no telling what kind of, but when you go to God's court, you don't, you don't see, this verse says, and I think this needs to be noted, he will judge the world in righteousness. And Paul said over in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.10, I believe it is, said we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And so I wanted to talk about judgment. The ju over in... Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number uh, 1, Paul charging his preacher with his last words says, I charge thee, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, at his appearing and at his and his kingdom. Two judgments in two different settings. One judgment at his appearing. The quick. Those that are alive. A judgment for the saved of all the ages at his appearing. Uh over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Susie and I sat in a Sunday school class recently in a meeting I was in, and the, son, and the pastor was talking about judgments, and he was putting, he, was, he classified everybody in under the judgment of our sins. You and I who are saved, the judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment of sin. Sins are judged at Calvary. Jesus paid the price of our sin debt. We could never pay that price. He paid it for us. And uh, in, in chapter 
three. I, I love this. I love to look at this every once in a while. It encourages me. I want to encourage you with it. First Corinthians chapter three. It begins with verse eleven. And you ought to get. I've got eleven. Mark Wells. Verse eleven says, "Other foundation." can no man lay than that which is laid in Christ Jesus. No person stands before the judgment seat of Christ that is not already in Christ. That verse says that. There's just one foundation. And this judgment is on that foundation, first of all, is that I am a born-again child of God, the, the, uh, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, if any man build on this foundation, see, it all started with Christ, and he talks about the gold, silver stone, uh, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. <coughs> because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide that he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. And I'm not going to go into the rewards. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. And then he says, I had a lady call me one time. She directed me to this verse. She said, I want to know what this means. He said, Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him will God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. You ought to get that verse down in your heart. You are. Not, what, not just here on Sunday night in the church congregation, but you are. Every day, everywhere, whoever you're talking to, whoever, whatever condition, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. She said, she, she said what do those verses mean? I said, you probably already know what they mean, don't you? She said, well, I... I was wondering about it. You know what she was wondering about. She had some sins that she wanted to get by with, and she was trying to sneak them past this. I said, are you saved? She wasn't a member of my church, and I was kind of glad I, I could be. I said, are you saved? She said, oh, yes, sir. I, I've been saved. I said, then you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's what that verse says. And if you defile God's temple, you're in trouble. I said, I said, it's up to you what you do. She said, I was afraid that's what you was going to say. <laughs> well, that's just the truth of the Word of God. We're not, we're not saved to sit on the pew and twiddle our thumbs. We're saved as His vessels carrying that Holy Ghost that He's given us. And I'll talk about that a little bit in a minute into this lost world. So, the, so the, there's the judgment 
seat of Christ, the judge of the living saints. Then there's the, then not only is he, the, he, he said, he said there's the judgment, uh, the ju- I ju- I'll judge, he'll judge the quick at his appearing and the dead at, at his kingdom coming. Over in Revelation, chapter 20, verse number 12 says, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Understand this? The next event on the calendar is the rapture. And at the rapture, the dead in Christ rise first, and we which are alive are caught up to meet them in the air, meet him in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. The living, the quick, are judged somewhere. I, I could give you my opinion, but somewhere between the rapture and the tribulation period, the coming kingdom of the Lord. Somewhere at the end of the tribulation period, the, uh, the kingdom is set up. If you're in Revelation, uh, the the tribulation runs to about chapter seven, and then, or six or seven, or somewhere there, and then, and then the coming kingdom uh, goes to the battlefield with Satan and all of his forces, and Jesus takes charge. So here we are, and he said, he said, now we're in the kingdom age. Satan has been cast into the lake of fire in verse 10 and uh, in verse 11 said I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away there was found no place for them and I saw the dead small and great stand before God who's the dead the dead are those that were not raised at his rapture, at the rapture, the uh, the dead are the dead are the lost; those that have never trusted Christ, and and he says they'll be judged out of the book of life and another book. Uh, the books were opened and another book. Now we're not talking about works anymore. We're talking about citizenship. We're either a child of God and a citizen of another country or we're lost and we need to be saved. Over there in John chapter 3, two times he said, he said, if you denied Christ, you're already lost. I, I remember a fellow working on a church sign. I knew him. He was a welder. I went down to try to talk him about bringing his his boys came. His boys came to our church. His young young boys, and I, I, I talked to him about getting in church. He said, he finally said, he was he was kind of a smart aleck. A lot of sinners are, some Christians. <laughs> but he said, preacher, I don't think I can get to church. I said, why not? He said, well. It's too far from the beer joint. I said, 
he said, you, you do preach against drinking beer, don't you? I said, yes, sir, only because that's what the Bible says. But I said, that beer's not what's going to send you to hell. Your attitude about Christ, your rejection of Christ, he says, he says in John 3.36, the wrath of God already abides on you. You don't have to do anything more. Two weeks later, he had a heart attack in the, in the doctor's office and died. We preached his funeral. It, it got close enough where he could get to church that day. There's a judgment for those unchurched multitudes. And he said, The sea gave up the dead which were in them, the death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's not just words on a page. That's the Word of God. That is the inspired, holy Word of God. That is a definition. That is the sentence for every unsaved person who dies. I don't care how good a grandma they were. I don't care what, how, what kind of good deeds they did for the community. Without Christ, that's the sentence for every one of the dead. And so, so the judgment of the dead, over in John 12, uh, Jesus said this in 1248, that <clears throat> he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. This word of God, these words of Christ, the warning of God's Word is the judging book. And you can't get past it. You can't make an excuse and get around it. You can't whine about it and get out of it. You can't uh, bribe the judge. He's not, he's going to give the, see the judge, he also, not only, we're judged with the Word, but John 5, 22 says this, Five twenty-two. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Over there in First Timothy chapter four, verse one, Second Timothy four one, he said, "He'll judge the quick and the dead. He'll judge at His appearing and at His kingdom, and it'll be an honest judgment." We ought to get ready for the judgment. In fact, Paul said over in Corinthians, talking about the judgment seat of Christ, he said, knowing the terror of God, we persuade men. Because he is a judging God. He, he, he is not swayed with personality or riches or 
a hundred other things that sway people today. He's just an honest, upfront, and the judgment's based on his word. He, we have his word. You can understand his word if you just sit and look at it. And when you do, you're responsible for it. So the judgment, the God of judgment, and then uh, let's see. I've got one more little bit of that. How do I, how do how do I face? this God of righteousness. He says in, in, our, in our text here, he commands all men everywhere to repent because he hath appointed a day which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, and whereof he hath given assurance unto all men and that he hath raised him from the dead. So here's the assurance that we have today. John 14, 16. I know this is a review for most of you. But John 14, 16, said, Jesus said, uh, and he's dealing with, this is his, this is his, uh, Passover message. To, the, to his disciples, those who were closest to him. And he said in 16, And I will, give, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you, uh, our English words is another comforter. The Greek word is alos parakletos. Alos means another just like me, another identical to me, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead. And he will be the parakletos. He's the one who comes alongside to help. If, we, if any of us ever have any hope of living for Jesus, we'll have to do it through the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit who lives in us. But the promise is that he, he's given to us, and he, he, says, uh, he says that he may abide with you forever. He's a never-leaving, never-abandoned, never-leave-us-high-and-dry, always there to, uh, to bless and help us over in Romans chapter 8. Verse 16. <clears throat> uh, let's start in verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. He said, he's already said down in verse uh, number 8, they that are in this flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You ought to mark those verses. 
down to 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 15. Ye have not received the spirit of a bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. There's no, there's no refuge in the... Some of you have lived long enough and seen enough trials to know this. There is no refuge outside of that Holy Spirit living in your heart. When the devil is on the attack, and whenever things go crazy in your family or in your home or in your, uh, in your life, the only place, the only hiding place is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ through the presence of the Holy Spirit living in us. And, and we can have that. The Spirit also itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And he goes on to say about that. I, so if he's judging in righteousness, and if the temptation is, is in those that are righteous, our only righteousness is the Lord Jesus Christ, and we, have, and we know that we have that only, the confirmation of the Holy Spirit in us. You can't live good enough. I mean, about the time you think you're there, you fall. Let him think he stand, take heed lest he fall. Okay. Over to Ephesians. Now, I know I'll beat this to death, but it's still one of the most important verses in the, in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. And 14. Remember, it all starts up there uh, earlier, and, he, and it's inclusive in, only in Christ. He's, that he might get the dis dispensation of the fullness of time that we live in. In whom we have obtained inheritance. That's verse 11. And, uh, and, and being predestinated to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. In whom, I, here, here's what it says to me. The testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ in Fort Worth, Texas tonight is reflected right here. There may be another church somewhere and other believers somewhere, but, it, but as far as we're local church people, and as far as we are concerned, it's reflected right here. We either reflect Christ or there's no reflection of Christ in our generation. He has set us apart as the testimony that this, of this world. And that's said several times that we should be to the praise of his glory. This is his will, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise which is the earnest 
of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. Now, we hit a lick on that this morning, but it's still our, it's our guarantee of security in the Word of God. He secures us. 431, he says this, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all uh, knowledge. He said in verse 30, it's where I ought to be. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. That's the assurance of the written word. Then there's the insurance of the living word over in John chapter 10. Jesus said this. He says in verse number 27, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I was thinking about an illustrated sermon. I'm going to do it for camp or something this year. I need a bag, and then I need to drop. See? See, God's up here, and I'm out there somewhere in a horrible pit. At night, in, at night in Hereford, Texas, in, that 12-year-old boy was in a horrible pit. The devil was wrecking havoc in my life, and there was no hope. But a hand from out of nowhere gently slipped in mine. And she said, I thank God he found me just in time. He said he went reached down in that horrible pit and picked up that clay. And he began to do a mold and shape and work. That day, he, he sealed me in that Holy Spirit. And then Jesus said, I give unto him everlasting life, and no man can pluck him out of my hand. The next verse says, but my Father, which is greater than all. Uh, let me read it. I can't quote it. He said, my Father, which, is, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Can you see it now? Look here. This is not, this is not scriptural assurance. This is, this is the living Lord's assurance. Listen to this. Y'all ever play, y'all ever play hide and go seek at dark? That was one of my favorite games. Get out there at dark and, you know, hide out. When they count off and here I come and you can sneak around and tag, tag up home base. And the way we said it was, nanny nanny boo boo. You can't touch me. I'm safe. I'm in home base. 
Could I say, nanny, nanny, boo-boo, devil, you can hurt me, you can pick on me, but you can't separate me because I'm in home base. He says, my father gave him me is greater than all and no man can. Hey, if he takes that hand, Jesus still got me in his hand. If he takes both hands, the Holy Spirit still got me wrapped up. You got it? And if the devil gets through the Holy Spirit, he's a saved devil. I don't have to worry about him anyway. (laughs) He says, nothing can separate me from the love of God. It's the living. It's It's not the written word. It's the living word. It's his testimony. So I'm going to try to preach that to the kids at camp this year. He assures us and he secures us. The assuring, the God of affirmation. And then Paul gets to this controversial point, the God of resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15. He says in he says in our text he has given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. You understand Paul is preaching to heathens that have no knowledge of God. And he said, Here's the assurance. God is our assurance. And if you could know the God that I know, you'd have assurance in your heart. I was thinking about, any of y'all ever been to Mesa Verde? Out there on the south side of Colorado, it looks to the four corners, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado. The cliff dwellings are out there thousand years or so before Columbus, you know, before the, uh, before the uh, Jamestown colony started America, Plymouth colony, thousand years or so, those Indians lived up there. We were, the day we were there, the Lord provided, I know, we had, I had two teenage boys one was about 16, one was about 12 or so. And uh, it was thunderstorms. And every, all the tourists were scared to climb those cliffs and go down into the cliff dwellings. And we'd heard about the wild horse herd over there on that other side. And they had a bus that ran over to the other side. And we got to the cliff dwelling just in time for an old-fashioned thunderstorm. We were there with a park ranger who was a history teacher. And we just got under the shelter. We, I mean, it was raining cats and dogs out there on the side of that mountain, but we was under the shelf. And there was all the dwellings and, and everything. And, and so this park ranger being very professional, said, hey, 
here's me, here's these two boys looking at all this stuff and not knowing nothing. He said, hey, he said, let's pretend we're Indians. And we went down into the sacred ceremonial place that only the men of the tribe could go. And they had to be washed with the smoke of that fire as they went in to be holy enough to sit there. Once they got there, they had to counsel. And he began to take us around to the dwellings. And up on the, he said, look at those little twigs up there on the, in the mud on the edge of that roof. He said, you know what that is? Well, of course, nobody knew what it was. We, did, we didn't know what the mud was, hardly. He said, that's prayer sticks. Here's the only point I'm going to make. A thousand years before, before Europeans ever came to America, God already had a testimony in America. He's go, he says in this scripture to these heathens, he's given assurance to all men. If you just knew the God I know, he's given assurance to all men. And he judges us by the knowledge that we do have. And they may not have been able to quote a verse, but, so, but somebody had got enough something to know they had to be cleaned up to approach God. And they had enough something to know that they, they wanted the blessings of God on their house. Maybe they didn't, I don't know if they're saved or not. But what I'm saying is, God reached to every person. There's a God in heaven who cares about you, and you, and you, and you, and me. He cared about us, we didn't care about ourselves. He loves us much more than we love ourselves. If we love, if we had the love of God in our hearts, we'd, we'd act different than we do. We'd talk different than we do. But when he said God assured us with resurrection, listen to this, and they heard of the resurrection, some mocked the scorners, Others said, we'll hear you again later, the skeptics. Howbeit certain men clave unto him and believe. Now, you, you can go and take you some places. Over 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse... Uh, let's just look at a couple of verses. It won't take me but a minute. I've got a couple of things to show you, and I'll be done. 1 Corinthians 15... Verse 19, if, it, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. If all you've got is the reward of this life, feeling good in this life, you're you headed for a big disappointment. There'll be a day when you don't feel good. There'll be a day when everything doesn't go good. There'll be a day when, you, uh, when your dreams are crash down around you and become ashes. 
in this life. But now is Christ risen from the dead. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. And as Adam all die, in Christ all shall be made alive, and every man by his own order. Christ the firstfruits, and afterward they that are Christ that is coming. Revelation 1.18, he said, I, I, I'm he that liveth and was dead and now alive again and have the keys of hell and death. The greatest enemy in, our, in this world is death. The, the approach of death, the cancers, the sickness, all the sickness, and the, the wrinkles, the, the flab and the, and the uh, gray hair, no hair. And, uh, I mean, there's a good portion of this congregation that's facing some of those things. And it's scary sometimes. But boy, what a consolation. He's alive. He is risen. The God I know is a risen, everlasting, ever-living Savior. And I, because he lived, we also live. No death. No separation from God. I mean, you can't get dead enough that he can't talk to you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to preach on that widow of Nain. Jesus talked to the dead that day, and that boy sat up and talked to him. I've been working on that message for three weeks. I don't want to spill it all right now. But, but God talks to the dead all the time, and the dead hear his voice. He's alive. And we can be alive in him. Over there in Corinthians, uh, no, over in Acts, uh, in chapter number 20, I'm not going to go there, but in chapter number uh, 26, I believe it is, Festus, well, let's let me go there. I, I don't want to mess it up. Over in the book of Acts, Paul is in prison. Paul is preaching out of prison to those who have, uh, have him captive. And in, let's see, in, 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 in chapter 26, Festus, verse 24, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul is preaching. And, uh, King Agrippa and his wife are there. You remember that? Paul's preaching to God. And Festus, the guard, says, Paul, much knowledge has made you mad. You're crazy. He said, don't you know that, uh, that Christ could not uh, raise from the dead? Oh, that's the scorner. Here's the skeptic over in chapter 24. There's a difference. Uh, 
Paul's preaching again, this time before Felix, the ruler. And as he reasoned of righteousness and temperance and judgment, verse 25, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a more convenient season, I'll call for thee. It's a dangerous thing to say, God, I believe, but I'm not ready to confess it yet. You listen to Felix. He's going to be back time after time for two years. He heard the gospel that day. He was trembling. God had, God's Holy Spirit was convicting him. He said, not now. That's what the devil would like to get us to say, not now. Not today. Some other time. A more convenient time I'll serve you. The skeptic. Well, I know it's something to it, but I'm just not ready to give up everything I'm doing right now. But when I, I remember as I was struggling about salvation, I told the Lord when I got old, I'd get saved. We make all kinds of dumb statements, don't we? You may not get old. You may not live another day. Both not thyself tomorrow. Thou know not what a day will bring forth. But as he turned, as they left, there were some seekers. And they said, we want to hear you more. Tell us some more about that God you know. Let us get to know the God you know. Let, his, let that God be our God. You don't have to be smart to have him for your God. I prove that. You don't have to be, you don't have to have gray hair. You don't have to have uh, adult wisdom. Some of the great testimonies of the, of the love of God that I see are these little kids who just turn it loose and give him all they are. So my question is, do you know the God I know? I mean, are you settled in your salvation? Do you know that you're saved forever? Do you know that you're saved to serve? Do you know that you're saved with the assurance that he'll be there. I heard that song the other day that I won't have to cross Jordan alone. Jesus died for my sins to atone. I don't know that that's a scriptural song. I don't know if we'll ever cross the river those Old Testament Jews crossed the river. We don't. But there's a division that you don't want to go to by yourself. But for us, us who know Christ, he's promised to be with us, to take us, to comfort us, Read that parable of the 
the rich man and Lazarus. See what happened to Lazarus. They were, they were carried. He was carried into Abraham's bosom. All I'm saying is don't be in fear. Turn your heart to the God that Paul preached on that hill. He's still that same God. And he'll still keep us in the darkest day. You may not know your darkest day. You know, Brother Tom coded one day this week. Had he not been at the hospital, he would be gone. But instead of knowing about it, they gave him tranquilizers and put him under, and that may be the way you go. I wouldn't wait till the last breath to say, Lord, I need you now. You may not know when you draw your last breath. But the warning signs are all up. Paul said, you, if you just get out of your superstition, you can know the God I know. Don't leave here without him. Let's stand. Father, I pray that you've had your way here tonight. I pray that this message has been in accordance with your will. And I pray, God, that you'd just bless it to our hearts. Help us, Lord, to get the truths of the Scripture. Move and work and have your way with us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 167. One hundred and sixty-seven. Just as
challenge. I'll just challenge you to reread those scriptures a couple of times this week. There's only about 15 scriptures. But read it all the way down to those skeptics, scorners who turned away from the truth. Read it all the way and see, do you know that God? 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 Can you say, I know that if I come to that moment, he's going to take care of me. I, I urge you to just read it two or three times for yourself. It's, I can't tell you what's done for my heart. The more I read it, the more it does. Just, just pour over it a little bit. Let it pour over you. Any word forward dismissed? Come on, brother. Brother, brother John's going to come and do his thing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.